All right, if you would join me in Galatians chapter 3, Galatians chapter 3, in the love of God, Jesus came and taught about the kingdom of God, demonstrated the power of God's kingdom, went about uh, giving sight to the blind, uh, the deaf could hear, the lame uh, could walk, good news was preached to uh, the poor, and ultimately he died on the cross, and three days later he raised up from the dead. And he spent about 40 days or so teaching about the kingdom of God. And then after that, he ascended to the right hand of God the Father, where even now he is interceding for us. But after Jesus ascended, his followers gathered in a room and they were praying. And as they were praying, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. It's what we call Pentecost. I think we're 15 Sundays removed from the Sunday where we celebrate Pentecost. It's the 15th Sunday after Pentecost. And so we, we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit. And as the Spirit came, uh, people began to speak in tongues. They began to preach the gospel in known languages uh, to those who had come to Jerusalem because people came to Jerusalem from all over the ancient world and they heard the good news of Jesus Christ proclaimed in their own language. And Peter stood up and he began to preach uh, the gospel. And he began to tell the story of Jesus, that Jesus had died on the cross according to God's definite plan and foreknowledge, that God had raised his beloved son from the dead, and that he is king of kings and he is Lord of lords. And as he preached that message, people said, okay, so what should we do? How should we respond to that message? And he said, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And so that's what we talk about. That's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about baptism. Uh, this is something that we do. Obviously, we are Taylor's Valley Baptist Church, so it's in our name. Okay, so when you go to Chick-fil-A, you get chicken, right? When you come here, uh, people get baptized. It's just what happens, all right? It, it happens. This is something that we do. It's part of what we believe. It's part of who we are. And so today we're going to learn what the big deal is about baptism. Galatians chapter 3, verse 23. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, there is, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Let's pray. Gracious Father, Lord, I pray that you would teach us today from your word. I pray that we would uh, be uh, good students, that we would submit ourselves to your word, that we'd receive it in faith, uh, the kind of faith that turns out for our transformation, that really and actually changes the way that we treat one another and really changes the way that we see the world and ultimately the way that we relate to you. And so, Father, teach us today through your spirit and help us to be uh, willing, submissive students to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You know, sometimes it'd be nice if, as a pastor, I could kind of go incognito. 
uh, you know, when you're out in the community and stuff, because uh, sometimes it's just a little weird uh, when people find out you're a minister. Uh, they're talking to you one way. Uh, they are kind of telling you their, uh, the exploits of their weekend and using very colorful language to do so. And then they find out that you're a minister, and suddenly they're, they're frozen, and magically their language changes. Magically what they're interested in changes, and suddenly you know, they can't wait to get back to church and all of these sort of things because they find themselves in the presence of a minister. And so sometimes it'd be nice to be incognito, but I can never be incognito if, if I were to take my family to a swimming pool. Uh, because if, if we go to a, a swimming pool, inevitably, you know, you, you'll just be sitting there minding your own business. Next thing you know, they're in the swimming pool baptizing one another. And like, well, this is a little odd. Uh, no, we're not a Baptist family at all. You know, we're not a minister's family at all. And, and that's just something that they, they've always done, I guess, because they have seen me do it. And, uh, you know, so, so here's the question. Why don't those baptisms count? What, what is it about those? You know, you, you kind of watch, you smile, and then I call it in. We put it on our church records and we move on. No, we don't really put it on our church records. But, but why don't those baptisms count? What, what's different about that than about what we do, what we will do next Sunday morning when we baptize? I mean, you've got, you've got someone here. A lot of times they even say the, the formulaic saying you say before you baptize somebody. There's the baptism, and then there's people gathered around. Why don't those baptisms count? What's different about the baptisms that we have in church? And by the way, I have baptized someone, uh, people, in a swimming pool where it did count, okay? So, it's, you know, what's going on there? Uh, do baptisms like these mean anything um, location, is it the location? Does it have to be in a church building? Is it the administrant, uh, a fancy word for you? Does the person have to be an ordained pastor or minister? Uh, what about the candidate? Does uh, the candidate, does it matter who is baptized? What about the audience? Does it matter who is in the audience, who's observing the baptism take place? What about the mode, sprinkling, Immersion, pouring, does that really matter? Well, a lot of denominations over the course of uh, church history have risen up and said, yes, that does matter, and so we're going to come worship over here, or we can do things our way, and you can go worship over there, or you can do things your way, right? Uh, so that in some ways, a lot of people said it's very important, and so we won't even worship with you on Sunday morning if you have a different set of beliefs on this issue. Of course, an underlying question to all of this that a lot of people ask is, what's the big deal anyway? I mean, why should I get baptized? What's the, what difference does it make whether or not I am baptized? Some people say, well, do I have to be baptized in order to be saved? Some denominations say that baptism is necessary for salvation. We would say it's not necessary for salvation. As Southern Baptists, we'd say it's not necessary for salvation. It is necessary for obedience to Christ. As we're going to look today, you're going to want to be baptized if you're a follower of Christ. But if I don't have to be baptized in order to be saved, and if, if that's not the case, then who cares whether or not I'm dunked in water on a Sunday morning or whenever? What's the big deal about baptism? Of course, in the Baptist church, when a person is baptized, they mean something by it. They are saying something to us. Uh, that is, they are communicating through the act of baptism itself. 
This is partly why we don't baptize babies, because babies, when they're baptized, they aren't saying anything. They're, they're uh, wondering what's going on, you know. Um, but uh, when we baptize someone, we, the person being baptized is saying something. They're communicating through the action of baptism. And we mark out a weighty decision in their life. They are communicating something to us that is weighty, that has gravity in their life, that is important, that's significant. We all understand uh, what we mean by body language, right? Uh, have you ever been talking to someone and maybe they hadn't, haven't said a word, but you know exactly that they do not care what you were talking about, right? Have you ever had that conversation where you're talking and, and, and some of you, let's just be honest, you're trying to communicate through body language that I'm not interested in what you're saying so I can go. You know, I've got somewhere to be, and so you keep trying to drop hints and do stuff without just coming out and saying, we understand what it means to communicate through body language. In baptism, we are communicating through a religious activity. We are saying something is of spiritual importance through a ritual, through a ceremony. We do this all the time through marriage, through ordination, through foot washing, through the Lord's Supper where we have these religious activities and we are saying something for the Lord's Supper. When we get to the end, it says you're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. You say, well, I didn't proclaim anything. I just sat here and I, I, I took the bread and I took the cup. I didn't say anything. You're saying a lot. You're saying you're proclaiming the Lord's death until he returns. In baptism, we do very much the same thing. When you decide to marry someone, most people opt for some kind of ceremony, uh, some kind of formal way to celebrate in a formal way uh, a weighty decision in your life. You normally don't find someone at Walmart and strike up a conversation with them and uh, by the end of that conversation say, do you want to be friends? Could we meet at the church next Sunday and make this a formal friendship? I mean, we don't do that. That would just be weird. In fact, if somebody did that, you might say, no, right? I'm going to go with someone else. But we don't do But in marriage, we have a formal, weighty ceremony where we commit ourselves to one another, we call, and we call them vows. We're making an important decision. So here's our question today that we want to ask. What are we saying in baptism? What are we saying in baptism? I want to get to the bottom of that question today. And ultimately, I want you to ask yourself whether or not this is something you want to say if you haven't said it already. Baptism, we're going to say, okay, here's what we're saying in baptism. And you need to ask yourself before we leave today, is this something you want to say if you haven't said it already? So three statements that we say in baptism. First, I belong to Christ. I belong to Christ. One of the best invitations that I can get as a pastor is to come to the courthouse to celebrate the adoption of a child into a family. There's uh, not much else like it. It is a beautiful ceremony. It's a beautiful day. It's a moving experience. It is a, a ceremony of celebration where friends and family gather to rejoice something that is real, something that is uh, identifying someone as a new person. Basically, they're entering into a new family. They've got a new direction in life. The state says y'all belong to each other. The family says you are one of us now. And the child says, if old enough, says, 
says, I belong to you. So everybody is saying something in this kind of ceremony. When you believe in Jesus as Savior and Lord, you are inducted into God's family. You become part of God's family. You were under the law. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were uh, in slavery to sin, to death, and to the devil. And now you have been set free and you've been inducted into the family of God. Look back at our passage today and see what it says. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came so that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God or sons of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves in Christ. You become part of God's family. How do you become part of God's family? Well, rewind a little bit back in Galatians chapter 3, and let's look at this passage, see what it says. Galatians 3, uh, Paul speaking as only Paul could do. He says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain? Is it, was it, excuse me, if it really was in vain? So again, I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God and was credited to him as righteousness. In other words, the reason that you have the spirit of God at all is not because you earned it. It's not because you did anything. It's not because God is playing favorites. It's simply by God's grace and through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that you find yourself filled with the Holy Spirit. You receive the Holy Spirit through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But continue on and see the result of this. Understand then, verse 7, that those who have been those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. How are you brought into the family of God through Faith. You have this gracious offer of salvation, of justification, of adoption that is received through faith. God could have just forgiven you. He could have just justified you, but he didn't do that. He brought you into his family and he calls you sons and daughters of God. And once received by faith in Jesus Christ, God is your father and we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And no doubt we have some crazy uncles in our midst Baptism is a ceremony, a spiritual sign or marker to celebrate the transformation, the transition even from slavery into the family of God where we say, I now belong to Christ. Over in Romans, turn here if you want to or you can just uh, listen uh, and jot this down. Over in Romans chapter 6 verse 3, he says, or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. 
says the same thing over in Colossians as well. Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 and following, talks about how we've been baptized into Christ. What all of this means is that when someone is baptized, when they stand before us and they are saying, I'm going to be baptized, I belong to Christ, what they are saying is, I identify with Jesus Christ. I now have a new identity in the Lord Jesus Christ that I did not have before They are associating with him. They're going public with their relationship that he is your Lord, he is your Savior, and you are unashamed of your rugged devotion, commitment, and love for the Lord Jesus. And if you think about it, in baptism, you're reenacting the gospel. You are dramatically portraying what happened to Jesus, that Jesus died on the cross, he was buried, and he was raised to newness of life, the same is happening to us. We are joining in with that. We're saying, I belong to Jesus. His story is now my story as well. Um, when someone becomes a citizen of the United States of America, they go through what's called a naturalization process or ceremony or something like that, where they pledge an oath of allegiance to the United States of America. And they are now saying, I am a citizen of the United States of America, and I will uh, seek the welfare, basically, of the United States of America. Baptism is like that naturalization ceremony where you're saying, I am now part of God's family. I am a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. It's not just something I'm looking forward to down the road. It is true of me right now. I am a citizen of the kingdom of heaven right now. And baptism shows that. When someone is baptized, they're basically saying with Paul, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So what's the big deal with baptism? In a way, if you refuse baptism, you are saying, I am not part of this family. My allegiance is not to King Jesus. I have nothing to do with his kingdom, or at least, at the very least, I'm ashamed to say it to anybody else. Jared, why did you get married when you could just hang out with someone for the rest of your life? You've seen the, the movie Rocky. Yo, Adrian, what you doing for the next 40 or 50 years? You know, I mean, I, we could just, that could, that's one way to, to propose to someone. But the, the point of marriage, the point of marriage, what you're saying in that beautiful wedding ceremony, what you're saying there is that I am my beloved's and she is mine. We belong to one another. We're not ashamed of one another. We're going public and we're committing ourselves to one another for the rest of our lives. So, Jared, why did you get baptized? Because I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20, a beautiful, beautiful passage. If Jesus proved his love for me by dying on the cross, the least I could do, the least I could do is get in the baptistry and declare my love for him by sharing in his story and identifying as one who belongs to Christ. Why would someone who actually loves Jesus, who actually wants to follow Jesus, why would someone not want to get baptized and declare that message before the world? Statement number two. Statement number two, I am cleansed by the Holy Spirit. Turn over with me, if you would, to Titus. Titus, small book in your Bible, Titus chapter 3, uh, comes just after 2 Timothy, which 
interestingly enough, comes just after 1 Timothy. Titus chapter 3, verse 3. And if you want to talk about one of the absolute most beautiful passages in all of the Bible, you'll find it in Titus chapter 3, verse 3 and following. At one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. So not only does baptism act out the gospel, it naturally communicates a washing or a cleansing that has taken place in your own life spiritually through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is something that you cannot see taking place within you, but as you receive Christ in faith, you are washed, you are cleansed by the Holy Spirit, which means that you are forgiven. Old things have passed away. Behold, the new has come. These things, notice what Paul says in Titus, these things were true of us, but then the loving kindness of God appeared and it's true of us no longer. We are new creatures in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when you are baptized, you're saying, I am forgiven. I am born again. I am a new creation in Jesus. When Nicodemus came to, to Christ, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, you must be born again. And then he explained, you must be born of water and spirit it's the same thing. Water in their day symbolized the Holy Spirit. And so what he basically in effect said is, you need to receive me by faith and you will be washed in the power of the Holy Spirit made into a new creation, what he called being born again. So identifying with Christ gives you a new identity. Remember, number one, I belong to Christ. Okay, you have a new identity and right now we're talking about being cleansed with the Holy Spirit, purification. So identification and purification, you are now part of Christ's family. Turn, turn over with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 1. We just got to look at this. You want to talk about beautiful passages in the Bible. You got to look at Ephesians chapter 1. And, and folks, theologians have bickered over this and, and moaned and, and bellyached over this for a long time. What does this mean? Let's talk about predestination and, and all that sort of stuff. But I want you to not... Lose the power of what he is saying here about those who are in Christ Jesus. How, are we, how do we get in Christ Jesus, by the way? Through faith, by God's grace and through faith. But notice what it says in Ephesians 1, 3. Praise be to God and, praise be, excuse me, I'm so excited I can't even read. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. How much? He unloaded the treasure trove of heaven, all of it on you, all the blessings on you in Christ. Verse 4, for he chose us in him 
before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. That's not only what God has declared of you right now, that is where you're headed, amen? Holy and blameless before the Lord. In love, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will to the praise of His glorious grace, which He has freely given us in the one He loves In him we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment to bring unity in all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. You are chosen, you are blessed, you are redeemed, you are forgiven. All of these things are true of you. You are loved in Christ. It's kind of like when Israel was watching David and David's out there and what does David do? He defeats Goliath. And then all of a sudden everybody gets real courageous and they charge the field. Why? Because their future king had killed and slayed the giant. Likewise, Jesus has defeated sin, death, And the devil, and now it's time for us to charge the field because his victory is our victory. And in baptism, we say, I am cleansed by the Holy Spirit. His victory is my victory. I am in Jesus Christ. Some of you say, you know what? I'm still messed up, Jared. I've still got a lot of stuff going on in my life. Love this quote from John Newton. I think it'll be on your screen. I am not what I ought to be. I'm not what I want to be. I am not what I hope to be in another world, but still I am not what I once used to be. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. Man, that's what we're saying in baptism. You're saying, I am a new creation in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. In my last church, we had, we can't do this, or we probably could. It'd just be weird because there's nowhere for them to go. But uh, in my last church, we had a, a door on this side and a door on this side. And I always made sure the baptismal candidates came in from this side. And I came in from this side. And then they exited uh, going to that side. And what I told everybody was this side is death. This side is life. Uh, here it would be this side's a dead end. But in that church, this side is death. This side is life. And right in the middle, you got the Red Sea. And you remember Israel, what did they do? They, they were coming out of Egyptian bondage. They were on their way. They're feeling good. And then they came to the Red Sea. And then they had the most powerful army in the ancient world hot on their tail. And they knew we are doomed. We're about to be absolutely destroyed. But by God's grace and mercy, he worked through his servant Moses. He parted the Red Sea. They went to the other side. The army came in. The Egyptian army came in and they were annihilated in that river. All of the tyranny, all the stuff that was about to happen to them wiped away by God's grace and mercy. And you know what they did on the other side? They sang a song The song of Moses, we're going to go through Exodus starting next week, so we're going to get there. But they sang a song of victory, and that's what we do. We move from death to life, and then we celebrate the goodness and the kindness of our Lord Jesus Christ. We come to statement number three. We come to statement number three. I am part of God's family. I am part of God's family Circle back for a moment. Uh, Since we belong to Christ and since God is our Father, we now belong to a new 
family. Notice it says that we are children. If we go back to Galatians 3, notice it says that we in Christ are children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. And so we're made one in Jesus. In baptism, we're saying God's family is now my family. His kingdom is now my kingdom. Earlier, we focused mainly on who our Father is, God, and how we turn to look. Now we look horizontally and realize that we belong to a community of faith. We did focus on the king and his kingdom, and now we turn to look at how we've been made fellow citizens of this kingdom. Part of the reason that um, baptism, excuse me, part of the reason that just spontaneously dunking someone in water in a swimming pool doesn't count is because it does not take place in the context of a gathered church where that is the meaning of the action. It's just folks having fun in the swimming pool, but here there is a meaning, there is a message being communicated, and that message is being received by the gathered saints, by the gathered church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so baptism serves as a symbol of initiation into God's family. Everything that happens in baptism, assuming someone has already trusted in Christ, has already happened. They already belong to Jesus. They already are part of God's family. They're already washed and cleansed and forgiven. All of those things are already true of them. They've already been brought from death to life, but now they're proclaiming that message before the gathered church. Turn over one last passage. Turn over to Matthew chapter 28. We'll close with this. Matthew chapter 28. This is what we call the Great Commission. The Great Commission, Matthew 28, verse 16. It says, then the 11 disciples, Matthew 28, verse 16, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Why is that important? The reason that's important for us on one level is it's kind of like if someone here were from another country and I walked up to them and I tried to perform a naturalization ceremony and say, Jared, you don't have the authority to do that, right? Uh, you, you can't, I mean, you can say whatever you want to, but you can't actually make them yourself a citizen of the United States of America. Likewise, the reason that when we go through baptism, what we're saying there is under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, we recognize you as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because all authority comes from Christ in heaven and on earth. Verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So what are we saying in baptism? The person is saying, I belong to Christ. I'm washed by the Holy Spirit. I am part of God's family. Jesus, our Father in heaven, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit say, you are now part of us. You're you're now part of our family. And we as the gathered church say, yes, you're part of this family. 
everybody is saying something similar. Everybody is pointing in the same direction. And that's why a characteristic, a mark of being a disciple of Christ is that you are baptized. Go and make disciples. What does that look like, Jesus? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So... What are you saying in baptism? You're saying, I belong to Christ. I'm cleansed by the Holy Spirit. I'm part of God's family. Now, here's the question. Is that something you have said? Is that something that you have said? If not, is that something you want to say? Here's the thing. Those who belong to Christ and are cleansed by his Holy Spirit and are part of God's family want to say that. They want to declare that this is why baptism in the Bible is so closely linked with salvation. In fact, you, you go read uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, I believe it is, and you'll get there and it'll say baptism, which now corresponds to this, saves you. And so some people think that you have to be baptized in order to be saved, but they got to keep reading. Not as a physical removal of dirt from the flesh, but as a, an appeal to God for a clean conscience. In other words, it's not the physical act that saves you. It is through faith and by the grace of God. And baptism communicates that. That is what you want to communicate. That's what you want to profess in Jesus is that you belong to him and you're forgiven by him. You identify with him. You're made pure by him, given clean hands and a pure heart. And you are now part of his covenant family called the church. If that action communicates that, non-action communicates the opposite. It says, I don't belong to Jesus, or at least I don't want to tell anybody that I do. I'm not forgiven, or at least I don't want to declare that. I'm not part of God's family, or at least I don't want that to be a reality in my life. So my question today is, what have you said? Have you said these things before in your own life? And if not, what do you want to say today? There may be someone here today who wants to say, I belong to Christ. I am forgiven. I am part of God's family. So we're going to have a, a, a time of response. You can come down. You can let me know that. We've got baptism Sunday next week, next Sunday. You can come down let me know that, and we'll get you lined up. Uh, but my question is, what do you want to say if you haven't said it already? Let's close in prayer. Gracious Father, I pray if there's someone here who does not know Christ, that they would trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior of their life this morning. And nothing could be more important, no decision weightier than that, to trust in Christ and become part of his family. Father, there may be someone here who they've made that commitment or they want to make that commitment, but they've never been baptized. I pray, Lord, that by your spirit, they would be obedient to you and they would say, I want to declare this message. I belong to Christ. I'm washed by his spirit. I'm part of his family. And so, Father, if there's someone here today who wants to make that decision, Lord, I pray your spirit would lead them and they would trust in you. Father, there may be others who just need to pray. I pray, Lord, that you would lead them by your spirit today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. The altar is open. If you need to trust in Christ today, if you need to make a decision to be baptized today, if you need to come and become part of our church family today. I think we had nine in the early service. We'll talk about that later. Or you just need to come kneel at the altar and say, God, thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you for all you've done in my life. just want to praise you. Whatever the Lord leads you to do, pray that you'd respond right now.